Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Good afternoon. You're listening to Gambling with an Edge. Now, here are your hosts. Bob Dancer and Richard Munchkin. Good afternoon. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. I'm Bob Dancer. And I'm Richard Munchkin. Today we're talking to CS, who's primarily a slot player and slot tournament player. Uh, CS, welcome to Gambling with an Edge. Thank you for having me. All right. So how did you get started gambling? What, where, and when? So I've been gambling most of my life. And uh, like so many other poker players, uh, during the boom, you know, I watched Chris Moneymaker win the WSOP, watched a lot of poker on ESPN and thought, okay, I can do that. So I signed up for party poker, poker stars, full tilt, et cetera, and just got to grinding uh, cash games, heads up, sit and goes. And I immediately did really well, uh, became a big part of the two plus two online poker community and did very well for myself online. Uh, grinding Supernova, almost making Supernova Elite on Poker Stars, um, until Black Friday 2011 happened, and uh, regulated poker or <laughs> unregulated poker got shut down in the U.S. So I have played about five million hands of online and live poker. And and, and uh, did you then switch to playing live poker, or what did you do at that point? So after that, there was a gap in my gambling career where I was. Driving for Uber, doing DoorDash, Uber Eats. I worked at Embassy Suites as a as a room service waiter, just just doing whatever I could to get by. And uh, always had an interest in slot advantage play. And uh, once a lot of the new uh, bonus machines came out and became very profitable, and I, I found found out how to play them, um, just started grinding slots and eventually did well at that and, and scaled things up. So I've been uh, a slot hustler and slot AP for about three years now. And, and how, that, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, well, how did you find out uh, that slots were beatable and how did you go about finding out how to beat them? Well, I've always known that slots were beatable in one way or another, even as a ploppy. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was very clear after, you know, getting free rooms, free food, getting free vacations for very minimal play, very low stakes that uh, certain casinos, you know, had had beatable games right off the top as, as a recreational slot player. 
Um, I had discussed it with with other poker players and APs on on things on forums like Two Plus Two, but um, there are readily available sources of information for slot hustling. That you know, there are websites and such that have been around for multiple years that a quick Google search will turn up. So it was just me sort of Googling, you know, how to advantage play slot machines. And then I found out how to play all the basic bread and butter games and uh, just, you know, put that knowledge into practice. Is it strictly slots or did you also do video poker? So I was a casual video poker player, Bob. I have, you know, uh, grinded a lot on VPW software, which is no longer available. I really only know how to play jacks. I've been meaning to learn deuces wild, but uh, if you know jacks are better, obviously you can play bonus poker and a couple other games as well without much of a penalty. I did play a lot of video poker, but not for high stakes until recently. There are certain casinos in which you can play very positive video poker, especially with multipliers. That is true. Um, you So let's talk about slots. You play slots. How do you recognize that a slot machine is potentially beatable? And what do you do to learn how to play it? Okay. Well, it depends what type of machine it is. You're going to look for one with a uh, persistent real feature, persistent state. There might be certain symbols on the screen in a certain position. That means the play is positive. This is not new information for anybody who's listened to you interview Mike Shackelford or Mickey Krim, etc. So obviously all of those well-known games are beatable and uh, new games are being released every day, which might have certain elements uh, like those, but they also might be honeypot AP traps where um, they don't exactly play the same way. So the main way I'm able to determine whether a machine is beatable or not is by networking and, um, you know, talking to other trusted AP friends who are aware of new games as they come out and, uh, yeah, talking to them. I'm, I'm not the best at personally figuring out the games by myself, although there are ways to do that, such as tracking how many spins it takes to get a bonus, what the bonus pays, etc. And did this network come from your old poker network and two plus two and things like that? Or is there a is there a forum devoted specifically to slots or or is it, you know, sub forums of something like two plus two where they're talking about? Yeah, there were a few people on two plus two I talked to um, about slots, but that was over a decade ago um, the, the current network of APs that I'm in contact with is from a very specific website that uh, I'm sure many of the listeners know about. It's kind of hard to find, but once you're in, it's, it's a very small community of maybe 60 to 100 people, of which maybe 10 people are worth talking to. And uh, many of them are, are just uh, wannabes, I would say. And is that a private site or a public site? Is that something that you want to name or you'd rather keep that private? I would rather keep that private because everybody in the community already knows what it is. Um, it is a public site. However, almost all of the nitty gritty discussion takes place via private messaging. Uh, that's exactly the way the blackjack sites work. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. once you hang around for a while, you realize you, you can learn 
who kind of knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. And so, yeah, the good discussion happens through DMs. What about Twitter? There's a lot of talk on Twitter about slots. Yeah. Um, AP Twitter certainly is a thing. Um, yeah. If you if you type in uh, AP slots on Twitter, I'm sure that uh, there will be some people that are worth following. Good. To find a playable slot, you need to do scouting. What are some hints on the right way and the wrong way to scout? Well, in my opinion, the right way to scout is doing it in a way that's as quick and efficient as possible. Uh, on any given day, I might hit, depending what market I'm in, by the way, because many markets are, you know, the casinos are 30 minutes or more away from each other. But let's just say I'm in a market like Las Vegas. Um, I will hit 15 to 20 casinos in a single day using a combination of walking and driving, primarily driving in order to hit the off-strip places. Um, I very quickly use the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, and, and I, I check the machines that pay the most, the most frequently, and I ignore all the other ones. And it's just about casting as wide of a net as possible because I notice other hustlers really taking their time, checking every single bank of machines, every single screen. I mean, if if there's a bank of machines where you haven't found a play for three months, you know, maybe you should stop checking it. You, it, I, I really think that you should be searching for machines that pay the most, give you the opportunity to wager large amounts of money at a, at a small edge for long, long periods. And um, that, that is the number one play that you're looking for. And so if it takes, you know, going to 35 different casinos over the course of a week to find that one juicy play, that's better than playing a bunch of marginal uh, or negative plays. Uh, like Richard said, uh, you should spend a lot more time scouting than playing. So um, if I heard you correctly, you just said you would prefer to find the long plays, where once you find it, you're going to be sitting there for a number of hours. Is that right? Yes. Well, let me elaborate on that. In While you're pursuing the long play, where you're going to be able to wager large amounts of coin through the machine at a one, two, three, five percent edge or whatever uh, for an hourly anywhere from 100 to up to four figures per hour. Um, you want to also be vulturing and you want to take optimal routes that allows you to check the most amount of screens in the in the uh, least amount of time. So it's, it's kind of like while you're looking for an eight dollar spin long play that could pay four thousand dollars in ev you also need to be playing 50 cent plays that pay thirty dollars an hour because it's kind of like if you know if you see a quarter on the ground you're going to pick it up and it, and all of that adds up so if you so let's say you have one of these machines that has like 50 different screens that you could check <laughs> do you not bother with the lower you know the lower limit ones and just look at the cream on the top and move on um, to some degree, yes. I would not check those types of machines that have multi-denomination, a uh, lot of different bet levels you can cycle through. I will probably draw the line somewhere around 50 cents or even higher, depending on uh, conditions and 
you know, if, if it's like a Friday night, Saturday night, and there's just tons of high limit plays and mid mid limit plays around town, I'm probably not going to waste my my time spinning something for 50 cents. That's like 20 bucks an hour to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. So at some point you um, uh, moved into playing some tournaments, right? And has, that is correct. So and tournaments has become a big part of your earn. Yeah, I wouldn't say a big part, but, you know, probably anywhere from 33 to 50 percent, because remember, you have to look at tournaments in terms of EV whether you're a poker player, slot player, table games player who's playing the promotional Baccarat blackjack tournaments. I mean, you you can't base your tournament earnings based on uh, binking something for mid-six figures like I have. It, yeah. it, you know, some of these tournaments, they're, any, they're worth anywhere from 200 all the way up to 5,000 plus in EV. And um, many casinos are making the – the price structure and the number of entrants very opaque, so you kind of have to re- rely on historical data. Talk around, uh, you know, talk to other tournament players, and maybe if you're very chummy with your host, they might tell you how many people are in the tournament, and that will determine whether or not it's worth playing. But yes, to answer your question, yeah, tournaments are a big part of what I do. And because of your action, do you get invited to not just slot tournaments, but will they invite you to the baccarat and blackjack and craps tournament? Generally speaking, no. I have. I mean, it's it's very much just casino dependent. But no, I don't play table games. So generally, it is just slot tournaments. Now, do you have any techniques that give you a better than average result? Or if there's 100 players, you figure you get 1% of whatever the pool is as your EV? Yes, Bob. It's more the second thing that you've mentioned. I, I do know of people, and I I have had AP friends who have had true edges in tournaments um, because they knew something about the game mechanics that others didn't. However, the tournaments that I play, other than, you know, hitting the button as fast as possible, um, there's no real edge to be had. You, you know, I will finish in last place as often as I'll finish in first place. So the edge comes from whatever overlay there is. And generally speaking, you should be playing any slot tournament that is a free roll. Well... That has a prize big enough. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah, I mean, above, let's say it's worth 200 bucks in EV, but it's only going to take two hours of your time. I would say that's probably worth playing. However, if it's one of those deals where they're going to hold you hostage all day and there's three or four rounds and a lunch break and it's only worth 200, now it's only worth, you know, 40 an hour, I might, I'll probably pass on those. Do you ask to be invited to tournaments? Generally speaking, no. In fact, I have been invited to tournaments before. I've gotten a front-end mailer or email communication and then tried to register for them. I asked my host or I've called VIP services at whatever casino it is, and they've said, sorry, you know, you, you don't qualify or this one's sold out. So even if you get invited for one, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to play it unless your your action continues to be uh, large prior to the tournament. But yes, I have once or twice uh, been invited last minute to a tournament that I otherwise uh, didn't didn't receive a mailer for. Now, there's uh, both Caesars and MGM on the Strip with multiple, multiple properties. Both of those offer mailers based on average theoretical. So, Let's say today you decided to play Caesars 
because maybe you had an offer, would you play all the Caesars properties until you got the requisite amount done, or would you switch to MGM? In other words, are you trying to maximize your mailer, or are you trying to maximize today's income even and mailers be damned? That's a very good question, Bob. And early on, I would have said, okay, well, if I'm going to trigger a gaming day at Caesars because they have a juicy slot tournament coming up next month, I might just focus on getting invited to that, knowing full well that MGM has some, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of ploppies in town and there's a lot of vulturables nonstop and the hourly might be higher. Um, depending how good the tournament is, I will focus on getting invited to the tournament. But these days, I prefer cash over free play. I would prefer to not play break-even stuff to get invited, and I'd rather just uh, make cash. But, but it, I mean, it's personal preference. Whatever makes sense for you, it's whatever's higher EV, and life EV matters. I mean, whatever's going to cause you the least amount of stress and help you sleep better. And for me, generally, it's having, you know, 10 or 15 day, 10 to 15 winning days in a row, which is achieved by uh, keeping my variance low. Well, and by if you're visiting 30 casinos in a day or something, that that helps as well. Um, I mean, it sounds like you're really, really out there putting in the hours. Yes, I am. And um, what's interesting is there's been multiple studies by, you know, scientific studies that say you are most fresh and effective for the first four hours of your shift. So that's not to say I only work four hours a day, but, you know, I'll have a nice solid lunch and then get to grinding for four hours, then take a nice one and a half hour break to just mentally recharge, have another meal, you know, watch a little TV, whatever, and then go out hard for another four hours. Because I, I find after the fourth hour, uh, there's diminishing returns mentally. It also gets very discouraging, you know, being out there and sticking to your guns of not playing anything, let's say, below 105% EV, uh, if we're talking long plays. Uh, because obviously the the short plays we're talking double digit or triple digit edges, but what I'm saying is I will pass on all the marginal stuff, but that means there's a good two to three days a week that I don't play anything and I make no money those days. But you know on the on the fourth day I might make like three thousand bucks, so it makes up for it. So um, a lot of uh, I don't know about a lot. I don't know what the number is, but. Some of the casinos are now barring slot players. And so have you been barred? Uh, have, have you had any bad barrings? And what do you do to try to disguise what you're doing? So I thankfully have not been barred anywhere yet. I have had a few close calls, especially when I was first starting out. Uh, generally, I would avoid going into any high limit rooms unless you are simply taking a quick glance at the big plays that don't require actually checking the screen. If you are checking the screen in a high limit room, you are just asking to be 86. And I know of people who have been 86 just for doing that. Um, now in terms of longevity, which is generally the name of the game, if we're talking anything AP related, there are ways to, Avoid having the casino know that you're a big winner. And anyone listening to this knows how to do it, but it's not something I want to go into detail on air about. Right. But, I mean, a lot of the barrings that I hear about are guys who do what I call playing the piano. They go in and start pushing yes. buttons, going through screen after screen after screen. 
Um, so you're saying you you just avoid that only in the high li- limit rooms, but you will do that out on the main. Uh, yes, I mean I won't be as aggressive as some. Uh, for example, do you really want to check a screen, you know, in right in between? two ploppies and, and get in their space and annoy them. I mean, yeah, a lot of the time you have to do that. That's sort of an edge. Otherwise, someone more aggressive than you is going to do that and take the $50 in equity that's on the screen. But there are certain shops that, you know, provide – that have a lot more heat for, for vultures um, where you simply cannot check screens or play the piano. Otherwise, it's instant trespass, basically. But I will say – that most casinos, it, there seems to be very little heat for slot hustlers. So it, it's just a matter of this, this is where networking helps, talking to other hustler friends who will tell you, hey, be careful at this one spot. You know, I just got in, in trouble for, for checking a screen and then just avoid those places. OK, let's talk about a specific game. But in general, I'll disguise the game. Now, many times the slots have. Uh, multiple progressives, often called the mini, the minor, the major, and the mega. Doesn't have to be, but that's a typical one for some brands. Presumably, you have a strike number, meaning that if the mini is at least 12, it's a play. If the minor is at least 19, it's a play. Something like that. Those particular numbers I pulled out of my ass. They don't relate to any current game that I know about. Now, once you have these strike numbers, how do you figure out combos, meaning maybe the minis at 10 and the minors at 14, but together they're probably a play until one of them is hit, even though neither one are specifically a play now. How do you deal with that? Well, as I've said earlier in the interview, I am not the best person to ask about how to deconstruct machines and track spins and all that stuff. But thankfully, I am friends with some people who are former slot techs, who are geniuses and have photographic memories. But the answer is, in order to determine combo plays with certainty, you would need access to some very specific information that's extremely hard to find. Uh, So barring that, it's just a matter of networking and talking to your closest friends, maybe one guy's a little bit loose, one guy's a little bit tight, one guy's dead on. So you kind of ask around with people who have given you know you good information in the past. And uh, I can give you a rather specific answer, Bob, using made-up numbers for a game that might be similar to the one you're talking about. Um, let's say that the orange number by itself, 70 is a play, and the white number... Uh, by itself, 30 is a play. A combo of 50-40 could be a play, and you simply quit when worse. That means after you you know, hit either of those meters, the play is over. However, the third number actually comes into play, um, meaning that a 50-40 might not be a play unless the third number is above 20, just the way the game mechanics work. Um, and and the, th- the other thing is uh, software updates do happen. And gen- the, the time you want to play a new game is generally within the first couple weeks of it being out because then, you know, the games get nerfed and they're not as profitable. But to answer your question, I am not the best at personally deconstructing the games, um, but, but thankfully I know people who are. And it's just, you know, I provide them valuable information about slot clubs, 
and uh, you know how to play specific amounts to get certain invites, kind of a thing. And then they're happy to trade me information on new games. So I would suggest uh, getting on those networking websites and talking to people. Oh yeah, there's a, just approximately three thousand of our listeners would love for you to tell them which would net which uh, website you're talking about, and they would love to get on there. But that's not going <laughs> to happen today. Um, how now? So you, in our example, we had the numbers of uh, twelve and nineteen. Uh, let's say you've been playing them and they and you've been losing your ass. And wh- how long do you go before you say these numbers are no good anymore, or avoid the game altogether? I personally, as a as a full timer, putting in forty to sixty hours a week. I would give it three weeks. And once I even suspect that these numbers are no good or something happened to the game software where it was profitable when it came out, but now it's not, I would be focusing the majority of my play on very low bet levels so that I'm limiting my my loss. Um, this happens a lot with new games where the game is amazing and you can make you know $30,000 in a month just on one game because you you know how to play it before anyone else does, and ploppies haven't caught on yet. Um, when I say ploppies haven't caught on, obviously every every serious slot player knows that the bar for advantage play slot machines keeps getting lower and lower once more information becomes readily available to the masses, to the point that in certain markets like Las Vegas, you just will not find playable positive numbers ever on certain games. And the only time you're going to play these games are if you're in the exact right place at the right time and you see a, a ploppy go busto on the machine and you hop on, or there's some sort of insane promo that where you can justify playing something at 98%. Um, but to answer your question, Bob, yeah, I'd give it about three weeks and then uh, probably just write the game off. So are, uh, I don't I don't know much at all about slots. So, but is it the case then that? The payoff schedule is the same whether you're playing a 25 cent coin or a five dollar coin, unlike video poker where the pay schedule is different. No, that is not true. It depends on the machine. I will say um, some of the some machines, it doesn't matter whether you bet minimum or maximum. Like it doesn't matter if you bet a dollar or ten dollars. It's going to be the exact same payback. Um but other ones, um, 25 cent denomination minimum bet is better than dime denomination maximum bet, or you know, nickel minimum bet might be the same as two cent maximum bet. In fact, uh, some of the the bet levels have their own RTP. So minimum bet might be 88 percent, maximum bet on the same denom might be 90 percent. But it's very game dependent. But generally speaking, yes, uh, higher denoms uh, do have higher return, but you're also going to earn less in theoretical. So it's almost a wash because you might be asking, well, you know, I got uh, let's just throw out a number. You know, I put in ten thousand dollars coin in uh, on this on this day. Why didn't my offers go up? Well, if you were playing nickels or quarters, that ten thousand coin in is not worth as much as pennies to the casino. Hmm. A another part of that, uh, Richard, is there are games where if you're betting 
80 coins, the strike numbers are different than if you're betting 160, which are different than if you're betting 240, or which are different than if you're betting $4. So it's the same. Uh, so each number of coins to bet could have different strike numbers. Wow. There that is true. Are, do you find uh, games at all casinos are the same? In other words, if you're playing a particular type of buffalo, do all casinos have the same version or do some have the 94% version and some have the 92% version and some have the 98% version, whatever they are in uh, as, as finding video poker? It's absolutely the second thing that you said. Um, you can tell just by feel playing a certain Buffalo game on the strip versus Boulder strip versus Reno. There is definitely more line hits, more frequent bonuses, etc. cetera. Uh, you, you can definitely tell the difference between an 85% and a 93% machine, no doubt. Contrary to what the uh, CEO of Caesars used to say, you know, when he tightened all the machines because he had, you know, done that study and concluded that players can't tell the difference. Yeah. Well, in the elevator he was riding in at the time, he might have been true. All those players couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. yeah. But – all right, we got some more questions for CS. And first, we need to do have a commercial break. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're serious about card counting, the Blackjack Apprenticeship Membership is a great way to learn, train, network, and get the resources you need to succeed. We've had quite a few guests on Gambling with an Edge who exclusively trained and got their start through Blackjack Apprenticeship. Check out their website at BlackjackApprenticeship.com. They have member forums, training software, and guides to help you learn. That's blackjackapprenticeship.com, and you will find a link in the show notes. Videopoker.com is the best place to play lots of games. If you sign up for the gold membership, $8.95 a month or $79.95 a year, this allows you to get correction on most of the games. The game of the week is Good Times Pay Poker. You have This is always triple play. You have an option of playing six, seven, eight, nine, or ten coins per line. There are random multipliers, but it always comes out to be even money. So if the game was 98.2 before the multipliers, it's still 98.2. The South Point, the best game is quarter, triple play, NSU, which is 750 per play. Sometimes I play that game when I'm waiting for a nearby machine to open up, or for players who normally play $5 single line or dollar single line for $5 or $2 single line for $10, uh, triple play quarters is a uh, super times pay is about the same amount of money played. And it's a lot more fun to play the triple play version than it is to play single line version. If you're interested in getting an edge at sports betting, then unabated.com is a great resource. Founded by frequent Gambling with an Edge guests, Rufus, uh, Captain Jack and Rufus Peabody, unabated.com is designed for both new and experienced sports bettors. 
their real-time odd screen tools and calculators take a lot of the guesswork out of trying to quantify your edge. There's also plenty of free education and instruction to help you along your journey to become a sharper sports better. You can currently take advantage of a seven-day free trial to decide if premium membership at Unabated is right for you. All right, we're back to CS with CS. Um, one type of advantage slot machines are, are called must-hit buys, and there's a ton of varieties, but let's say one of them might have three meters, one of them must be hit by $50, one by $500, and one by $1,000. Do you have strike numbers uh, for all of these of a particular type, or do you collect data each time to figure out how much the meter is rising with each coin added? So I do have some predetermined strike numbers that I'm a little bit flexible with, uh, depending on the major minor combo. So let's say the major is at 49.30 and the minor is at 4.55. Um, if I normally wouldn't take the major until 49.40, depending on the meter rise and the hold of the game, I mean, there, there's formulas that have been published for decades. They're published on um, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Odds, Mike Shackelford's website. I mean, basically, the games you're asking me about, Bob, are not actually my area of expertise. I have played a few of them. Um, but to answer your question, the two meters in conjunction, if you're, if you're talking about combos and adjusting your numbers, I mean, yes, you can, but only very slightly. Uh, I, I generally only have one target strike number and the, what the other meter is at doesn't, doesn't really factor into my decision a whole lot. Okay. Let's say you're one of the games you like. If the minor progressive is at 24, you know it's a play. And you come across one where the minor is at 30, which of course makes it a, a nice play. But, there's a guy sitting there quietly. You ask him if you can play the machine. And he says he wants to be a 50-50 partner because the $8 per hand cost of the game is too much for his bankroll. So I assume something like this has happened to you. What do you do? Yes, uh, this has happened many times, especially when I was starting out. Um, so I'm going to answer the question in two ways. First, I'll just give general advice, and then I'll say what I will do specifically and why. So general advice is I, I do not think it's a good deal for you to chop the play with the person who is camping or sitting on the machine, with no presumably with no money in it. Um, that's basically just a free roll for them, and there's always a chance that they could just screw you uh, if you, you know, if you win – Obviously, if they win, if you win, they get half. But if you lose, it's no risk to, to them. So that's not a good deal. What I would do is uh, buy, offer to buy the play off of them for a reasonable but small amount. Um, and I have noticed that in the past, when I used to do business with these these people, uh, these types of people, they would generally accept my first offer for a fraction of what the play is actually wor worth. Now. My new answer is casinos do not take kindly to people just sitting on a on a play and not playing the machine. And another thing is if you do business with said individual once, 
uh, it's going to be very hard to get rid of that person in the future. They're going to follow you around every casino, ask you about plays, see if they can extract any knowledge from you and, you know, ask you for money, things like that. So I, I generally would just move on, say, no, thank you. Give them some acknowledgement, move on. And you, you never know, they might be gone 20 minutes later. So that's, that's my new policy. So, uh, speaking as an outsider, um, what about the idea of, you know, calling over a slot supervisor and saying, Hey, I'd like to play that machine, but there's a guy who won't get out of the chair and he's not playing. Yes, you, you certainly can do that. And I've done that a number of times. And I mean, does that generally have long term? Oh, they will. Okay. Yeah, but the problem is you don't want to be seen as a problem. You don't, I, I wouldn't do that more than, I, I wouldn't do that more than once in six months, uh, per casino because they're going to remember you and they're going to say, why is this, why is this person always calling security and trying to get someone off of a machine? This is weird. We should look into this guy. It's, it's shady. So I, I mean, you can do it, but I would do it very, very sparingly, sparingly. Now, as you go around, you get to know other players who are checking the same machines you're checking. Now, some of them are, you know, and they're part of your team, as it were, but others you've never seen before. When this happens, do you follow them around to see what other machines they're looking at? Absolutely not. I mean, that's a great way to make an enemy. And I know that that would really piss me off if someone did that to me. <laughs> I know it pisses off other hustlers and high-level APs when someone is stalking you, following you from casino to casino to try to see your route, exactly what screens you're checking, the states of the machines you're playing them. Um, I would just make sure that I lost them, you know, that I uh, got them off of my trail. But no, um, I would advise against doing that because that's a good way to make an enemy, in my opinion. Do you ever uh, sort of put things in neutral when you see somebody following you, like check machines that are just random or, uh, you know, make them think that you're not uh, doing what you um, Not really, just because I value my time so highly. I, I, I could, you know, throw them off the scent a little bit temporarily, but then that's cutting into my bottom line. But, you know, I might do that. I have done that before when conditions are not great and I'm not too busy. Because in the, you know, table games world, uh, there have been numerous situations where known APs have entered a casino that we were in and we basically just called the playoff and left rather than have them see us play. Right. No, that's smart. I understand why you would do that. But with slots, I mean, it's really about accumulating small amounts over and over again. So if they want to learn how to accumulate, you know, 50 cents <laughs> off of a spin, you know, let them, whatever. I'm not, I'm not too paranoid. In slots, unlike video poker, many times people are coming up and giving me tickets, uh, probably 10, 15 times a week where the casinos no longer cash out change. So if your ticket was $47 and 18 cents, the 18 cents, you'd get a slip to put back in the casino or take to the cashiers. And a lot of players say, screw it. And they just give it away to another player. And I've gotten slips for 17 cents when I had $800 in the machine. And of course, I always say, thank you. I tell them I'm such a good player. I know I can turn it into 18 cents. But um, 
and they laugh and go away. I never saw this in video poker. So I don't know if it's just the casinos aren't given change out anymore in many places or just slots is different than video poker. No, Bob, you're right. I, I just think it's a, a friendly thing that, that ploppies do. You know, they lost their ass. They don't care about their 18 cents. So they're going to give it to another player rather than give it back to the casino. And I have been a little bit annoyed when I'm di- when I'm down five figures on a play and someone's handing me a ticket for 10 cents. And I might not say thank you, but I will accept the ticket and I accumulate them and I will uh, go to the casino cage and cash out a big stack of them once a week. And the the cashier might be a little bit grumpy when they scan all of the tickets, but uh, it's their job to. Can't you just add it? Can't you just add the 18 cents to the machine you're already playing? I can do that, too. I can do that, too, depending on how fast the bill acceptor is. Might get a little time consuming. Um, I just like to let them accumulate and go to the cage but yeah you can also just um add them to the machine you're playing however i actually have a question for bob because i did hear your mailbag from uh, last week bob you as you know you always run the risk of filling up the box of the machine every time you put in a bill or a ticket so you mentioned that you could tell if the the bill validator was was almost full just by the sound how can you tell what sound am i looking for (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it yeah well it's it's grinding it's a grinding okay. sound and there's depending on which generation of bill validators you're talking about so uh you'll have to record them bob and uh <laughs> we'll play them on the air <laughs> well you never know when it's going to happen i'll the keep an ear out for that used to take 600 bills and i don't know if if they're bigger or smaller now and uh but you play enough, you'll experience it, and some did they just oh, go believe me, I have stuff. experienced it. Um, one time I was on a machine that was going to pay off between three and five thousand dollars for the major jackpot, and I was very, very close to hitting it. But when I initially sat down, I didn't make a large enough ticket, so I had to put more money in to spin off the play, and uh, the box filled up when I put more money in. And it still wasn't enough money to put to spin off the play. And <laughs> I had to sit there for six hours. Oh, my uh, God. They usually clean out the boxes anywhere from three to five in the morning. And they didn't care about my status. I had top level card at this particular casino. I had to just sit there and wait. Otherwise, anyone else could have hopped on the play. So that's that is definitely a big thing about being a serious slot AP is you have to make sure you make large enough tickets to complete the play. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of machines, they, they all have a limit. Some of them are 2,000, some of them are 4,000, some of them are more. But generally, most machines will hold around $4,000. So you, if you're going to spin off a big play, maybe make a 1,000 or $2,000 ticket or tickets so that you don't, you, you lower your risk of filling up that box and having that happen to you. Wow. So now, they will- casinos will, will let you buy tickets from the uh, cashier when you start. So like you could take them, um, you know, don't take don't take them ten thousand because they will that'll generate paperwork. But you know you might take them, uh, you know, right. six thousand or so and ask if you could have three two thousand dollar tickets. And usually they say yes, and it's much faster. Yes, you, you that can way. do that, or or something less time consuming. Just use the adjacent machine. You know, maybe when you hit a bonus in the machine that you're playing, um, use that time. To, to generate more tickets. 
uh, build more tickets on a on a machine that's that's nearby. Good idea. Now you have when sometimes you might have two or three floor attendants just talking with each other, waiting for something to happen, and they and then they'll go do it. Uh, would you check scan the buttons at a machine, check levels right in front of them when they had nothing to do, or would you wait till that wasn't the case? Yes, Bob. Can you please repeat the uh, question? The connection just cut out for some of that. Okay. I don't know if I can. I wasn't listening to what I was saying. All right. Assume there are three slot attendants who are chatting, uh, waiting for something to happen where they're needed. And right in front of them is a machine which you would like to look at the numbers on to see if it's playable or not. Would you go up and check the various screens of that machine while three slot attendants are 10 feet away? The answer is it depends. Uh, It it really depends on the culture of that casino, how bored they are, how many or how few ploppies are in that shop at that given time, because some of these slot attendants have nothing better to do than to watch you and, uh, you know, you, you can generate a lot of heat doing something right in front of someone because a lot of these slot attendants um, don't like slot hustlers. But generally speaking, yes, I will do it right in front of them, but only at shops in which uh, I have gotten zero heat and shops that give you a long leash. Other ones, I, I mean, I wouldn't even go near the machine. <laughs> I, I mean, because as you know, there's certain machines where – you can look at certain numbers without cycling through every possible uh, bet level. Yes. But uh, so maybe I would do that very, very quickly, but I wouldn't cycle through. It just depends, like I said, how busy the casino is and how bored these suits or slot attendants seem to be. So I've heard these stories about people where uh, there have been literal like fistfights over a machine where people are arguing, I was waiting for it before you, or, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, or, or you will have uh, these vultures who are sitting behind some little old lady and they'll come up and try to convince her to get off the machine when the number gets where they want it. Um, have, have you run into any of these kind of problems? Yes, I have. And, you know, those people are obviously incredibly scummy. Um, when I do what I do, I, I try not to bother anyone. I try not to get in anyone's hair. There are very rare occasions where I will wait or camp for a machine when the EV is just astronomical, like when when the play could be worth $4,000, but the ploppy's got 20 bucks in and is going to go busto, and there's no other hustlers nearby that are also waiting for the machine. Uh, th- there is a, some etiquette and a general code of conduct, and that is whoever's there first gets the play. And there have been times where I've seen a machine with an incredible number on it that a ploppy is about to get off, but then a friendly rival hustler says, hey, you know, you didn't see me. I've been waiting here for two hours. I said, oh, okay, no problem, and I walk away. It's absolutely not worth getting into any sort of confrontation and drawing attention to yourself over, so what, over a play that's worth two, 3000 bucks, and then you're giving up six, seven plus figures in, in lifetime EV by getting 86, not worth it. So my general uh, opinion is it's generally not even worth camping. Uh, there's always opportunities out there. You should just continue to scout and move on most of the time. Do you ever find it advantageous to work with a partner when you're doing this? 
Yes, there can be a huge edge, but be careful because uh, it depends whether you're sharing the bankroll with, with your partner. Uh, I do most of my AP activities with my partner. Um, this helps with things like building tickets, bathroom breaks, although I will say that uh, even without a partner, you, you can just ask a slot attendant to hold a machine for you. They generally will be happy to do it. If you do need a bathroom break, like if you're on a play that lasts 11 hours or something like that. Um, but the, the biggest thing in, in terms of having an AP partner and finding one is, is trust. What good is it if this partner helps you make all this money on paper and then like steals your profits without you knowing? Because you have to trust the person. Uh, the, the big edge with having a partner is that you are able to be in two different locations at once two different cities, two different markets at once scouting for plays. But what if your partner says, oh, I lost big. I just lost 10 grand, but they really just uh, didn't even play and pocketed your money. You would have no way of verifying this. So you got to really make sure that you trust the person. And that's why I would say long-term couples, married couples, uh, people who are in relationships, you know, that that would make an ideal partner, someone that you trust. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Although I do want to add one thing. Um, I would partner with other well-known APs that I trust, that I respect, that I've known for a long time on very specific high limit plays that are, you know, very high variance where it, it, it'll help smooth out our variance. And, and, and there's also certain, um, when I say partner, I mean, chop the play, you know, on a, on a big, big jackpot, something that might require six figures to spin, for example. Uh, because you get to a point of diminishing returns on your player's card and your offers where you don't need to play $200,000 coin in in a day. Uh, it's better to just for three of you to play, you know, 70. So, well, the and, other thing is, I mean, I, I don't know about these plays, but in the old days playing uh, progressives, you know, there were times where you would have to be playing at 24 hours a day and it could run days or sometimes weeks. Um, yeah. So you can't do that by yourself. No. And thankfully, uh, you can speed spin most of these machines or bet high enough levels that, you know, you will hit the jackpot within a reasonable amount of time, like let's say within a day. But yes, I do know you've had guests like Peter Liston on in the past who, you know, he'd, he'd have partners and they'd have to switch seats uh, over a period of three days on the same machine. And that just sounds like hell. Not something I ever want to do. <laughs> I agree. Thank you, CS. This has been informative. We've not talked this much about uh, advantage slots in the past. I'm sure there are lots of people who would like to talk to you. Are you interested in being contacted or would you rather not? At this time, I would say rather not, but people who already know me know how to get a hold of me. I would also like to thank everybody who's helped me along the way. Uh, you and Richard providing invaluable uh, just general gambling and life advice. I've been listening to your show since it came out, since it was on the radio. I'd like to thank wow. guys like Mickey Krim, who have shown people like me that it is indeed possible to make a living playing slot machines. And, of course, everybody in my network and uh, real-life friends I have in different markets. But some of my – I will say one thing. Some of my best AP friends, I don't even know their name. Yeah. We just chat online. And I, that's, that's that's how I like it. You know, yeah. so. I, I have that happen all the time. Somebody will say, 
you know, do you know uh, Sam Jones? And I'll go, uh, I have no idea because maybe I know him as like Jimmy Two Fingers, you know, right. and, I, and I have no idea what his real name is. So exactly. Very good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. At the end of our show, we have a recommended section. Uh, Richard, do you have something to recommend to our audience today? Yeah, I uh, I'm not going to rep- recommend a Netflix week. Um, so uh, we talk a lot about our various um, health things, and uh, I'm always looking for uh, non carbs. And my son has found this breakfast cereal called Magic Spoon that is uh, not made out of carbs, and it's high in protein, and there's no sugar in it. So, uh, you know, usually I eat eggs, but uh, it's good to have something else that is not, uh, you know, like a wheat cereal. So, yeah, it's called Magic Spoon. There are uh, various different flavors that uh, all taste really good to me. And so, yeah, that's, that's my recommended. If you're, if you're trying to stay away from, uh, uh, you know, carbs and sugar, uh, try it out. Magic spoon. Very good. It sounds portable. So if you're, so you can take it with you in, in your luggage and stuff easily. <laughs> all right. Um, the book I want to talk about is, uh, Daniel Silva's latest novel uh called uh the other woman um i've spoken of daniel silva before his um protagonist is gabriel alon and he's a, who's an assassin and he works for um israeli intelligence in the latest book alon goes after international art thief uh, but what struck me about this book is that the israeli intelligence is said to have this computer program where if you give it any phone number at all it will automatically allow that program access to all the information on the phone, including the phone's location. You can hear what's being said on the phone in real time. It's contact list, everything. No password required. Now, in the novel, this device is used to help catch the bad guys. In real life, this kind of computer program, if real, scares the shit out of me. Uh, It's the ultimate big brother is watching kind of program. I hope it's fiction. If the uh, if the party you like is in part in power now, it's less scary. If the party you don't like is in power, it's very scary. And they switch back and forth, so everybody has a chance to be scared some of the time. At the end of Silva's books, uh, including this one, there's an author's note about how many of the places and people in it are real and how much were fiction. Surprisingly, this program was not mentioned either way. So it isn't said this is a definitely a real program or this is all fiction. I made it up. Would have been nice to know. So, CS, do you have a recommended for our listeners today? I do. It's a book, and the title is called The Art of Hunting Humans by Sidney Mazzi. And the book basically talks about in a very easy to understand way, uh, different cognitive biases and just how irrational human beings are and how you can exploit said irrationality for profit. So none of us would even have a job if that weren't the case. And it kind of just breaks down to, uh, you know, breaks down people's fallacious thinking and also makes you more aware of your own 
so you can avoid it. Sounds interesting. It, it does. And I want to correct what I said. The title of this book is a, of Silva's book is a, a portrait of an unknown woman. He does have another book called The Other Woman, but this is a portrait of an unknown woman. All right. So um, thank you, CS. Thank you, Richard. Go out and hit lots of royal flushes, everybody. Good day. <laughs>